Good evening. I want to say thank you again for joining us this evening. I'm going to be talking about the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, we have been studying the books of the Bible. The goal is to read the whole Bible. And this year, we're going to get through all of it. And then after we finish all the books of the Bible, then we'll go back and take it one by one and get into deep stuff, deep theology on each of those books. So we have a long way to go. We have talked about Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Judges, I mean, Deuteronomy, we've done all of that. Now we are dealing with the book of Ruth. We even covered Joshua already. So what do we need to know about the book of Ruth? First, remember, I always tell you, each of these books are very much connected. And also, the story is very consistent. You can literally understand the Bible especially from God's perspective. As far as God is concerned, you know where he's coming from. He created heaven and earth, and he made heaven his throne. He made the earth his footstool, and then he gave the planet earth to man. You are man to manage, to tender, to beautify, make it better. And he was trying to use different people to achieve that goal. And you remember the story. He tried to, he started out with a gentleman by the name Adam. It didn't work out. Then he went to a gentleman by the name Noah. Didn't quite work out. Then he went to Abraham. Ah, he didn't quite work out. And then from Abraham to Isaac, from Isaac to Jacob, and from Jacob to Joseph. And then the people find themselves in Egypt, and they became slaves. And you know how that goes. For 430 years, they were mistreated. And God eventually freed them, and they found themselves in the wilderness, and they journeyed for 40 years. And then eventually, they made it to what we call the promised land. That is what God has promised them. So you can see the story of all these books are actually connected, and it's a consistent narrative. You can literally follow the work of God from day one. Now they're in the promised land, and you remember they had a bunch of judges uh, to be their leaders. Things just don't work out. Now we get to this book called the book of Ruth. I believe this is God's way of trying to figure out, I still have to see the planet which I created, and I have to make sure that I put it in good hand. So amazingly, he used a family again. And the whole book of Ruth is actually a love story. You and I can learn a lot from it. First, you need to pay attention to the characters in the book, who are the main actors and actresses. Well, there's somebody called 
uh, Elimelech, and this gentleman had a wife, just like I had a wife. You, you have a husband, you have a wife, and just relationship. So this Elimelech guy had a wife. The name of his wife is Naomi, and they are from a city called Bethlehem. Bethlehem, in the word of God, means house of food. Then, the next thing you find out is that this couple, they found themselves in famine. There was famine in their home. There's a lesson there. How can there be a famine in the house of food? Hmm. That explains a lot of mess we're going through right now in America. This is supposed to be the number one country in the world. This is supposed to be the richest country in the world. This is supposed to be the strongest country in the world. Why is it? Have you ever wondered why is it that people are still suffering? Why is it that we have so many poor people? Why is it that we have so many homeless people? Well, I'll tell you why. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's what sin would do. You can have plenty and still be miserable. Are you listening to me? You can have all the war machine and all the bombs, all the submarines, all naming, all the flying saucers. And if your heart is ain't right, you're still going to be a mess. We find ourselves in a mess. Just like Bethlehem find ourselves in a mess. That's the problem with the churches today also. We tell the people in the world, come to Jesus, come to church. Then you're going to be blessed, you're going to be healed, you're going to be saved. And guess what? Then people out of desperation, they come to church. And what do they find? Ain't nobody blessed. They find nothing but mess. People fighting each other, people taking each other's wives, people messing with one another, gossiping like the rest of the world on Facebook or social media. And that's why people say, look, I know I'm messed up. I came to church hoping that I might find something. And guess what did I find? Another bunch of messy people? I'm out of here. It is a shame that Bethlehem, a house of food, became a place of famine. Guess what that couple did? Elimelech and his wife. I'm out of here. They left Bethlehem. Can you blame them? Oh, I wish I can testify sometimes. That's how I got here. Ladies and gentlemen, they left Bethlehem. And they traveled to a new location in the city of Moab. When they got to Moab, they had two kids, Melon and Chilion. Those are the names of their two boys. And then because the two boys were born in a foreign land, they grew up, and guess what they did? They married their wife from that foreign land. They didn't come back to, to Israel to go find their wife. It is, the Bible is so practical. 
It's just like me now. You see, I have five kids. I'm originally from Africa. How do you know that? <laughs> so I came here, I have five kids. Do you really think my kids will go back to Africa to go find husband or wife? Heck no. They're going to be married right here in this foreign country where they are. That's exactly what happens to Melon and Chilean, the children of this couple. So they married two women over there in Moab. They married Moabites. So now the, the father has his own wife, Naomi, and Melon and Chilean had their own wives. One is called Oprah, you know, like Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> and the other one is called, the other lady is called Ruth. So now you see this couple and their children and their spouse living together. Then there was chaos in Moab again. The same trouble that they were running from, from Bethlehem. Now there's famine in Moab also. It get worse than that. The father of the whole household died, Mr. Elimelech. It get worse than that. Then both of his sons, Melon and Chilean, they also died. Ain't that something? So now all the men are gone. Guess what? Now the only people left alive is the three women, the mama and her two daughter-in-laws. Now, that's a very tragic situation. Let me stop there and minister to somebody. Maybe you're in a situation right now that is not too pretty. People don't have to die in your life before you go through rough times. I know what it is to go through some hard times. I remember in my early days here in America about 40 years ago, it was tough. No mama, no daddy, no job, no money, no house, no friends. I mean, I can go on and on. I was homeless in the city of Riverside, California. Eventually, when I get, get to be admitted in, into a college, I was sleeping in their chapel, in the church house, on the pews. Everything I owned was in a pillowcase. That's all I got to my name. Well, maybe your situation is different. Hard time is just hard time. Whether you're having hard time on your job, whether you're having a hard time with your health, whether you're having a hard time with your marriage, whether you're a minister of the gospel and you're having a hard time in your ministry, listen to me when I tell you, hard time is hard time. And hard time puts people in a desperate situation. And you know what else? Desperate people do desperate things. Let me appeal to you that as you go through your hard time, make sure you invite God in your decision making. You will have to make some tough call. 
Do I put my kids up for adoption? Do I quit my job? Do I, do I sell my house and move into an apartment? There's a lot of tough decisions that people have to make during hard time. So these three women, the mother and her two daughter-in-laws, they were faced with tragic situations and have to make a, a rough, a tough decision. The mother made the decision that she's going to leave Moab and go back to Bethlehem. Where they, where they came from. Her husband is dead. She don't know people in Moab. She's a foreigner in Moab. She said, I'm going home. It will be like if something tragic happens to me here in America, or maybe America is in big trouble, and maybe there's a war going on, maybe there's an epidemic, I don't know. God forbid. And then I have to make a tough choice. Do I stick around here or do I just pack my bag and baggages and go back to Africa where I came from? That's exactly what happened in the book of Ruth. By the way, the whole book is only four chapters. Yet it's full of so much to learn. Profound lessons of life. This woman decided, I'm going back to my home. Then she looked at those two daughters-in-law. She said, hey, young ladies, I'm sorry things didn't work out. You are married my sons. They're all dead now. I cannot help you. So let me advise you. I'm going back to my home. You need to go back to your own home. And let's hope that we all can have a fresh beginning. I don't ha have any more sons for you all to marry. So game over. That's tough, isn't it? You know what is so sad? Sometimes life will throw you a curveball. Hmm. I almost feel like crying. I just had a little flashback. But if you would just hang in there, if you would just continue to trust God, regardless of your condition, regardless of your situation, in spite of your circumstance, regardless of what disappointment or how many people walked out of your life or how many people lied on you or how many people mistreat you, if you would learn to just hang in there and trust God no matter what. God, he will bring you out. Listen to me, my friend. I am a living proof that regardless of how bad life is, God is able to bring you out. I feel like crying. I'm sorry. <laughs> This woman went back to Bethlehem. One of the two daughter-in-law, Miss Oprah, said, okay, it's been nice meeting you all. I'm going back to Moab, where I came from. The third woman, her name is Ruth. I want you to pay close attention to the decision of each of these women. One is deciding 
the old, oldest woman is deciding to go back to, to Bethlehem, to her home. Oprah, one of the daughter-in-law, decided to go back to Moab and try to go find a, a boyfriend or try to start all over. Or maybe my work, maybe it would not work. But look at Ruth, the third daughter-in-law. She said to her mother-in-law, she said, Mama, I'm going to stick with you. I'm not going back to Moab. I married your son for life till death. And he said, for better or for worse. Even though your son is dead, but I'm going to continue to serve you. He said, where you go, I'm going. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wow. Let that sink in. Remember what I told you, all three of them, they were in the same predicament. They were all widows. No hope, no future. All three of them made different decisions. Why am I emphasizing that? The decision you make in crisis can make you or break you. The decision you make when you're in trouble can launch you into your destiny or can sink your boat. Don't make decisions out of emotions. My wife is watching this show. That's one thing I always tell her. I say, calm down. I mean, she just take up. Calm down. Go and pray about it. Seek God. Allow God to minister to your soul. Don't let this flesh throw you off the boat. I've seen my own wife mature so much in the area of decision making. Simply by allowing God to fix it for you. Too many times we're trying to fix our situation and we make a big mess out of it. Did you know the Bible said in the book of Psalms chapter 46? Guess what it said? Verse 10. Be still and know I am God. You have to learn to be still even in the midst of crisis. There's a lot going on right now in America. Um, one gentleman was just killed in a very bad way. Somebody put his knees on his neck and threw it and just literally killed him. Man, when I saw it, I was so upset. I was so upset, I could have blew up the whole city. That's how I'm still mad. I'm confessing to you. I was so hurt. All I'm thinking, that could have been me. That's a major crisis we're facing right now. But you know, even in the midst of crisis, all of us need to learn to calm down, be still, and know he is God. You know what I'm thinking right now concerning all those protests going on? What action? 
am I going to take? What action am I going to lead God's people to take that will change things? I just don't want to make noise. We've been making noise for years. I just don't want to tell you the love will make a way somehow. Hang in there. Hold on. No. We have to make tough decisions. And we have to back our decision with real action. That's exactly what Naomi have to do. That's exactly what Oprah have to do. That's exactly what Ruth have to do. Real life. The Bible is so relevant. My friend, every day I see God at work through the word of God. So now, Oprah is back in Moab. Ruth is following Naomi to Bethlehem. The moment they arrive in Bethlehem, are you all enjoying this? I'm, I'm having a... <laughs> I'm enjoying myself. Because every time I open that word of God, I see my life. I see my world. I see what's going on right now. The Bible is a right now book. No fables, no fairy tale, very relevant. They got to more uh, to Bethlehem. The first thing Naomi did, because everybody recognized her, and said, "Hey, welcome back home. How you doing, sister girl? Hey, that's Naomi." No. The first thing she did, she said, "No, don't call me Naomi. I'm not Naomi that you know." My name is now Mara. You know what that means? She said, I am bitter. I'm angry. I'm mad. I could see myself in, in her. She did not have hope for tomorrow. She was consumed by today. And she became so angry, so upset. She, she's willing to change her own name. She said, call me Mara. Call me bitter. That's who I am. Don't call me Naomi. And that is why I say to you, my friend, be careful the decisions you make in time of crisis. Let it be God-centered. Let it be God-inspired. Let it be spirit-led. That's a good word for every one of us now, especially those of us who have to deal with this National crisis going on. I'm preaching even to my own self. Believe me, I am literally going through that right now in my spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, another thing I want you to notice in the book of Ruth is when they got to Bethlehem. Ruth, what's she up to? She was serving a mother-in-law. She was willing to go to work. She's not just sitting at home waiting for government check. Hey, don't turn me off. She went straight to work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes you have to pick yourself up. Sometimes you have to encourage yourself in the Lord. You can stay all your life having a pity party, 
who did you wrong, who mistreated you, nya, 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 nya. what the employer did, what the white people did, what the black people did, what the Mexican, I mean, you can go on and on. Or you can pick yourself or encourage yourself in the Lord and look at another day and say to yourself, self, we're going to make it. Hallelujah. I wish I could preach to somebody. I've had to do that many times in my own life. Now I have a wife, I have children, but I don't always have them around. It was just me and the Lord. And it was rough. It was tough. Everything was going down the tube. Guess what I had to do? Encourage myself in the Lord. I looked me in the mirror and said, self, we're going to make it. Come hell or high water, we are coming out of this mess. We're coming out of poverty. We're coming out of, out of struggle. And I pray that concerning you today in the name of Jesus. You, my friend, you're coming out of poverty. You, my friend, listen to me. I'm looking at you. You are coming out of stress. You're coming out of sicknesses. You are coming out of struggle. You're coming out of weaknesses. You're coming out of every situation that the devil is trying to you to put, pull you down. God did it for me. He would do it for you. Ruth picked herself. You know something else Ruth did? Hallelujah. This is so profound. I'm enjoying myself just ministering to you and me. She was wearing what we call widow's dress. When, when you lose a loved one or uh, the, in, their, in their culture, it's still in the culture in many places, you're wearing garments of grief. Guess what Ruth did? She took off all those, all those dresses to let every man know I'm no, no more a grieving widow. Yes, I lost my husband. That was in the past. I'm available. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's how Boaz noticed her. She was not grieving. I'm speaking to somebody today. Don't allow a spirit of grief to consume you, that you stay depressed for the rest of your life. I'm sorry bad things happen. I'm sorry people walked out of your life. I'm sorry that people let you down. But now, are you going to let that weight crush you? Or are you going to get over it, encourage yourself in the Lord, pick yourself up, and say, self, we're going to make it through this, the help of the Lord. That's why the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. She took up grieving garment. She went straight to work. She was gleaning in the field. She was minding her own business, run, not running her after every man that showed up. And the Bible say, in the process, Boaz noticed her. Can I tell you, all you sisters, brothers, give me a break. Let me, let me talk to my sisters. You believe in God for a good husband? Let me tell you a little secret. If you will learn to continue to do the right thing, if you will mind your own business and stay out of trouble, believe me, our brother would notice you. 
How you know that rat? Hey, I'm a brother. Can help. <laughs> you see now, it's not about your makeup. It's not about how well you dress and all that. Those all those are out outward appearance, the packaging is what we is what's in the package. Boaz noticed Ruth. You know why? I'll tell you why. Number one, she's no she's not a grieving widow. She puts smile on her face. Number two, she's working her butts up. She is hardworking. Every man wants that kind of woman in their life. Number three, you know what? She's loyal. She followed her mother-in-law. She's serving her mother-in-law. She could have walked. She could have said, hey, to hell with all of you. I'm out of here. I was faithful to my husband. My husband is dead. I'm done. She was loyal. She was humble. She had character. She had integrity. She mind her own business, and she was working hard. As a result, somebody noticed her. And that somebody is a very loaded person, rich. Hallelujah. Ladies and gentlemen, you know how the story goes. I can talk about Boaz all day. Ladies and gentlemen, Boaz not only noticed her, Boaz is what we call kinsman's redeemer. The Saris, oh, I wish I could get some time. They're warning me I need to wrap this up. You see, there's a concept in the Jewish tradition when a woman's husband died, so the rest of the family, another man in the family will have to marry that woman and take care of her. So in other words, basically to redeem the whole family. You just don't leave that woman to be helpless, to be suffering, and to be destitute. Where in the case of Ruth, there was a man in her husband's home who should be next in line to marry her. So when Boaz showed up, part of the reason why Boaz is willing to marry Ruth is to redeem, to redeem her. To redeem the family, the name of the family. And Boaz did something really gentleman-like. He opted out for the, for the gentleman who should be the next in line to marry Ruth. And that gentleman said, no, I yield or I waive my right. And then Boaz is able to marry Ruth. That's the concept of this thing called kinsman redeemer. Why is that such a big deal? Because later on in the New Testament, you're going to find out that's exactly what Jesus did. He came to redeem you and me back to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> you see, the book of Ruth is so profound. It's a love story. You know what I love about it? See, it's a bad story that end up good. Ruth started out a widow, hopeless, helpless, in destitution. But because she keep her hope in God, because she won't give up on herself, because 
She, she didn't carry grief for the rest of her life. She cleaned herself up. She went back to work. She's doing the right thing because she's loyal, because she had character, because she had integrity. And guess what? And she did her part as a woman. Amen. One time the Bible said she was, she was advised to go lie close to where Boaz was sleeping. Not in grieving clothes. Who want to marry somebody grieving? She changed her dress. And guess what? It worked out. You still have to take care of yourself. You can say, I'm believing God for a good husband, and you're looking raggedy and sloppy. No. You can say, I'm believing God for a good wife, but you won't get a job. You won't take care of yourself. I mean, come on, brothers. Work with me. So in the natural, we do what we have to do. But also in the spirit, make sure your heart is right. What I love about this book, it starts bad, but it ends well. And I want to pray for you, my brother, my sister. I may not know where you are right now. Maybe it's not as good as it should be. But I believe your God can make your ending end well. I pray that God will touch your situation. I pray that God will touch your circumstance. I pray that God will grant you the desires of your heart. Whether you're believing God for your children, whether you're believing God for your health, whether you're believing God for your marriage, whether you're believing God for your job, whether you're a pastor listening to me, you believe in God for your ministry. The same God who did it for Naomi. The same God who did it for Ruth. And she found her Boaz. The same God that did it for me. You're looking at me right now. I am a living testimony that God can take a nobody. Are you listening to me? I'm not trying to put myself down. But let's tell the truth and shame the devil. That same God is your God. The, the same God that take a nobody and make me somebody. Now I'm speaking to nations. He amplified my voice. All I had was a voice. He amplified my voice and touched my tongue. And the rest is history. I don't want to be cocky. But this, this brother is blessed. <laughs> That's your God also. He wants to do it for you. Please allow him. Watch him change your situation for the better. Thank you for listening today. If you need prayer, there's a number under the screen. Please, I beg you, call that number. There are ministers of the gospel who are ready to pray with you. Take advantage of that. The prayer of the righteous affiliate much. Let them encourage you, let them build you up in faith. And guess what? I will see you at the top. God bless you.